Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, what's up everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. You're all having a brilliant day so far. I am extremely grateful and excited for all of you to experience the wisdom and magic of this week's amazing guest, Miss Kezia Lukatz. So Kezia is a positive psychologist, a best-selling author, an international speaker, and someone who is incredibly curious, bubbly, energizing, and on a mission to empower people to create a life that is in total alignment so they can tap into the realms of possibility for themselves. And I really appreciated this conversation because it was all around becoming aware of the stories and the lenses that we unconsciously wear as we go about our day and the impact that that has on the choices we make, on the relationships that we choose to engage with, on the ways that we interact with everything around us. And I just really appreciated this conversation in particular because, as all of you know, I have been on quite the journey the last several years of becoming aware of my stories and becoming aware of my beliefs and learning to unravel programming that came from external sources so that I can begin to create and show up in a way that can allow my truth to shine, my needs to be met, and for me to create a life that's in pure joy and and, and alignment. And I think that's one of the most powerful parts of doing the work, when we can become aware of the stories that are aren't even true, that are holding us back, when we can learn how to rewrite those old narratives and gift ourselves a more empowering identity when we can cultivate the courage to become curious about our feelings and our opportunities and life in general, just imagine how different life would be. And that's really what's discussed on this episode. That's what we go down. And we talk about everything from how Kezia invited her father to shift his perspective about the potency of these times, how to embrace childlike curiosity, how to lean into our emotions as powerful teachers Uh, And a lot about Kezia's story around postnatal depression and how she went from doing to being and just so much more. I just really appreciated this conversation. I appreciated the reminder that we all have the ability to change our stories when we want to. And I just appreciate the, the, the love and the care and the energy that Kezia brought into this conversation. And I can't wait for you guys to enjoy her as well. So Enjoy this conversation. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, any of the podcast apps. All that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Reach out to myself on social media or Kezia on social media and let us know how the episode landed for you. If there's anything that sparked inspiration or action in your day-to-day, I want to know about it. We want to know about it. And above all, I hope you're taking just... And actually you listening to this podcast is you taking the time for yourself and you taking the time to invest in your own well-being and you taking the time to create a little bit of space between what is happening in the world and what is happening in your inner world. And so I'm just so grateful that you have chosen to be a part of this journey uh, alongside us. And we're just so grateful that we get to create this type of content for all of you. So anyways, without further ado... Here is the amazing Ms. Kezia. Okay, enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having a wonderful day so far. I'm so grateful and excited to have Kezia here. Welcome. Thank you so much. Oh, I just love your energy. It's so lovely to uh, get to meet you face to face. And I'm just so excited about this conversation. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier around the story about your father was really beautiful. Maybe I would love actually for you to share that perspective 
to kick off this conversation because I think in in my eyes, we as a collective are having a perspective shift around everything. And so I would love maybe start there and then we can dive deeper into wherever that takes us. Of course, of course. So I was just just talking about the fact that my father turned 80 on Monday and, you know, he was kind of reflecting and we were doing, we we're doing a, a kind of a little bit of reflecting back and forth. And he said, you know, I don't know how I ended up like this. He said, you know, I was born in 1941. So, you know, the war and everything was just coming to an end, etc. He said, and now I'm in this turmoil that is kind of, you know, out there in, in the greater world. And I said, Dad, Dad, I just want to invite you to think of it slightly different. You managed to see both ends of the spectrum. And you are, you're here at one of the most important times in the world with the breadth of knowledge and wisdom and experience that you've gone through. You know, rather than thinking that what's going on in the world right now is, is terrible, I'd like you to think about it as being one of the most exciting times that we're, we'll ever go through in history. And you're here to be a part of it. You're here to experience it in the way that you're experiencing it as an 80-year-old man. I would love to know the resistance that might show up from someone wanting or choosing to believe that story. Well, it's an interesting one because I think we get caught up in our head and stories that we tell. And quite often, you know, you can have an interaction with somebody for the very first time. And depending on their emotions, depending on the mood, depending on what they're going through in their life, the narrative that comes out of our mouth oftentimes is, is the same. It's like on autopilot. So we can tell the same story over and over again. And in that particular instance, I just invited him, not pushed, you know, not prodded, just invited him to view it in a different way. Because I, I think we all have an opportunity. You know, I can look outside right now. I'm here in the UK. You know, it, it's obviously not as warm as it is where you are. You know, <laughs> the sky is gray. And I can look out now and I can think, oh, it's such a horrible day. However, I can don all my wet weather gear, put my welly boots on, go out with my dog and actually see a totally different world through the lens of different weather. Mm. And I think we all have this opportunity to choose. And it is a choice, an active choice as to what lens we put on the situations or the stories that we tell. What's the underlying similarity between, I guess, the lenses that, like, are there certain aspects of the lenses that serve us in our highest growth that can be extracted across multiple people? I guess what I'm asking is like, like, for example, curiosity as a principle. Are there certain principles that we can distill down for anyone listening that may be able to notice when they're in a perspective that can empower versus in a perspective that keeps them stuck or anxious or in a state that's that's reactive or panic ridden or or something that can be sort of shook up as the world begins to kind of go in a spiral i think most of us tend to be on autopilot and if you imagine that by the time i think it's by the time you're 35 95% of our our behaviors our actions our thoughts thoughts words and deeds are on autopilot. So I think anytime we're looking to make a shift, we've got 5% of consciousness to be able to do that with. And awareness is at the forefront of all of that. Because if you're not aware that you're telling the same stories, then you're never going to look for a different story to tell. So I think awareness is, is key. But then the curiosity bit, how would it feel in my body if I told a different story? Mm. What happens in my consciousness when I use different words to describe what's going on, how does the world look different to me when I'm curious and I add a, a multidimensional different perspective? I remember standing behind a little child as I was waiting for a flight for Barcelona, and he was just rubbing his hands up and down the wall. And he was just literally going up and down the wall. And I thought, He's curious about the way that it feels. And so I reached out and I put my hand on the wall and I ran my hand down and there was a slight undulation. And I was just like, I understand why he's doing this. Now, as an adult, our curiosity seems to go out the window. 
we seem to see the world in one dimension or it's just like, well, that's just a wall. Why would I reach out and touch it? <sighs> as you were saying that, it made me realize how disconnected we as a, as a species are from our bodies. Right? Like when we're living in our minds and our heads, it's, it's difficult to actually even entertain that a different feeling because we're not actually feeling. We are creating the head up sort of narrative, which is almost like a, it's like a road you've taken down. It's the familiar road because the mind just wants you to survive. It doesn't necessarily care about the feeling state that might lead to a greater level of, of fulfillment in the moment. And so how do you train someone or maybe teach, maybe train's not the right word, but how do you inspire someone to lean more into their bodies when, you know, they may not have actually had practice doing that? Well, I mean, I teach something called the energy code, which looks at four different energy spaces. We naturally gravitate through over a period of a month, over a period of a week, over periods of days. And what you just said there is, you know, most of us tend to be in this. Yeah. We're totally disconnected from the body. But our body is the guidance system for us. It's the, do you know what? It, it, I think the easiest way to describe it is if, if you look at a, a young child or a, or a puppy, they're so in touch with what they need and what they desire. They sleep when they need to sleep. They pee when they need to pee. They eat when they want to eat. They laugh spontaneously. They do all of these things because they're tapped into this. And as adults, we're pushed into this direction that this is the most important thing. Mm, yeah. And so when we're in this, my view is we, we shut off to creativity. We shut off to the universal, you know, mind and explore, you know, exploration that's out there available to us because we're in this. Why do you think we're in that? We've been taught for a very long time that there is a set way to do things, I believe. I, I believe yeah. we've been taught from young age. I mean, I look at my daughter, she's 16, so she's in like final years of exams and she does a full day at school and then she comes home and she can spend between three and four hours each and every night doing homework. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is all doing. Where is the, the feminine aspect of being? Mm. Where's the balance? And we've been taught and pushed into this scenario that the doing is the most important. But actually, you can't have the, fem the, the masculine doing without the feminine being. It's like the ebb and flow of the tide. You need both to balance your life. That was the biggest shift that happened for me a few years ago was going from the doing to finding value in the being and the softness and the slowness and just even finding inherent value in being. The idea that, you know, the odds of us being born on this planet were already astronomical. And then the odds of us having the personality traits that we do and the unique cocktail of feelings and, and emotions and stories and everything that make us up is so unique. And it's like that how can we look at our being and say it doesn't have inherent value? For some reason, we were chosen to enter this plane this physical plane. Our souls chose these bodies for a reason. And the mind tries to discredit that and say, we are not enough. I must do more. I am not worthy. I must go after that thing. I must sacrifice to get this. There's this mind that plays this loop. And you're right. Like it's because we've forgotten the being and we've forgotten our connection to that divinity within ourselves. And that, and sometimes it takes hardship and, and, and heartbreak and grief to break you open to that. I would love to learn more about, I guess, your journey to being. How did you get to a space where you actually cracked open to that aspect of life? So I had a variety of different careers. Um, but after giving birth to my son, I suffered with postnatal depression. At the time, I wasn't really aware of what was going on. I just knew that there were things that just weren't right. And it was only as I was coming out of it, somebody said to me, it was a guy, actually, he said, if you don't mind me saying, I think you suffered with postnatal depression. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, you are right. And that started me on this journey. And, and literally straight after that, I was given a copy of The Secret. And it was like somebody had turned the brightness up. 
But the, the being to the doing, I mean, that was my first kind of unraveling some of the systemization. And then the, the next bit was I, I set up a female-based concierge company helping busy mums juggle the work-life balance and ended up with just a list of corporate mums that were just looking for help in juggling this balance. And they had every aspect that we believe is success. So they had the million dollar houses, they had the wardrobes, they had the clothes, you know, children in private school, they had nice holidays. But I was seeing time and time again, it not being enough, you know, them waking up and feeling there has to be more to life than this. And lots of them were going through depression, burnout, overwhelm. And at the same time, I started to go through it as well. And it was at that time I was just like, no, this isn't worth it. You know, five years of building up a business with 35 members of staff, this is not worth it to me. I am doing constantly and I'm burnt out. And I ended up walking away from the business. Sorry about the dog, sorry. Um, and he's joining We love me. dogs on the show. We love he, dogs on the show. Running, yeah. <laughs> And then I found positive psychology and it was just like, aha, that makes sense. Everything makes sense. It it just, my background science and it just put the science behind the spirituality. And then I created my own modality called the energy code, which is all about this rebalancing of the feminine and the masculine. You know, it's it's so interesting. You know, the things that the mind believes will get you to feeling the goals, the success, the thing, the external thing that will lead to the internal feeling, right? That logical say, like, let me work my way to feeling instead of being in the feeling and accessing those feelings whenever you want. And that 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 shift is is such a profound shift that I I think children embody naturally. Kids, like they don't they cry, they scream, they're angry, they're sad. Like there's no rule sets that stop them from feeling. It's a learned belief or story that tells them they have to feel when, or they have to feel so, or that meaning is attached through upbringing, but the feeling itself is there. And I think that's inspiring too. Like if there's anyone listening, that's like, gosh, I actually feel that emptiness right now. Like how would you, I guess, inspire them to just connect deeper with their being? I'm going to kind of explore it with what you've just said there is just like this, this, I will feel happy when we're taught that when we have this success, when we have this money, when we have the body, when we've earned this amount of money, when we go on holiday, when we get the new job, all of these things. And as you just alluded to, happiness is within us. At any point in time, we have an opportunity to tap into not only happiness, but joy, elation. And also, I do want to just talk about the the so-called negative emotions, because we're often kind of funneled into, and especially now as positive psychology is coming out, you know, as a a more mainstream kind of modality and, and way of thinking, we're kind of pushed into this be happy, just be happy, you know, you just put the smile on and you just be happy. You know, all emotions are phenomenal. I mean, like, you wouldn't want to feel love if you met a saber-toothed tiger. You want to feel fear. You want those systems to kick off in your body. But I also think that we've kind of been conditioned that there are certain emotions that we are allowed to show at certain times and others that need to be stuffed away or hidden away or or pushed down. And especially for guys, you know, if you guys that are listening, the emotion of sadness. Who said that men can't tap into that emotion of sadness? I remember having a conversation with my eight-year-old and he's he's an empath. He feels through every fiber of his being. And we had to teach him around emotions because he found them overwhelming and he was about eight and I was writing a a paper for my master's and the the paper was are are women more emotional than men you know because we always we always hear this that girls are so emotional women are so emotional and I asked him the question do you think that girls are more emotional than boys 
And his answer surprised me. He said, yes, mummy, I do. And I was taken aback a bit, knowing the way that she feels. And I said, do you want to explain that? And he said, boys aren't allowed to show emotion. Mm. Now, in our household, emotion is shown, it's talked about, it's, it's dived into, it's felt with the curiosity that you'd feel at any emotion. And I said, do you want to expand on that? And he said, well, at school, if I hurt myself, I'm told to man up if I want to cry. If you watch a film on TV, now they watched age-appropriate films, boys have to go into their bedroom to cry. They can't cry in front of other people. And I suddenly realized that we've created a world where there is reward for certain emotion and there is a not-so-good aspect for others. And I don't want to live in a world where one is, is praised and revered and the other one is dismissed or, or hidden away. I've been really feeling into, even, even in my own journey, you know, I talk about this a lot, but death in, as an idea and as, as an experience in life being an extremely grounding reminder of the gift of the emotions, right? Because death is something we'll all experience in life at some point. When we lose someone we love, are we meant to feel joy? Are we meant to feel all those emotions that we try to force our lives to feel? Are we meant to feel those? Are those, are those timely? Or is grief playing a role? Is sadness playing an important honoring of what was? Is it, you know, like there's, there's emotions that have, like our body is so brilliant to your point earlier, you know, like it wouldn't be creating emotions if they didn't have a purpose, if they didn't have a healing modality or a component if there wasn't alchemy at play, right? Because emotions are nothing but energy in motion. And so if we deny the feeling, we're denying the intelligence of the body, the connectedness that the body feels with this infinite source of wisdom that exists all around us, the connection to nature and more. And when I, when I think about you know, that idea, like if let's say my mom passed, let's say someone in my family died, would I dismiss the emotions of sadness in those moments? And if I'm not dismissing the emotions of sadness in those moments, why the hell am I trying to dismiss them in everyday moments? Because birth and death are happening in every moment, whether it's an egoic death or whether it's the end of a cycle or a season or a career ending or a start of a new beginning or a new relation. There's always, it's always happening. And I think in the context of that greater picture, that's, that idea has really allowed me to come back to the truth of what's in the moment and trust that what's flowing through in the moment is actually what's meant to flow through because the body is way too intelligent to create something out of place. It is. And it, it's interesting that you say that because I refer to the so-called negative emotions like being an alarm system to your house. If your alarm system goes off, it's like alert, 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 intruder. You know, the, the happiness, the security has been breached. And we would go and we would investigate what has been breached and we would explore it. And the same with the negative emotions. When they come up, it's like your happiness has been breached. Your sense of well-being and contentment has been breached. Let's go and explore that. Let's go and view it and say, well, why is it being breached? Why am I feeling this way? What is it triggered inside of me or activated inside of me? Mm -hmm. and from that perspective, it's a lot easier to go, okay, I can have those feelings and I can explore them. Well, it's, it's, it's mindfulness at the very core practice, right? Like we've been, I think society is in a really good job now, at least I'm seeing so many resources for mindfulness around your thoughts, but you can apply the same sense of mindfulness to your feelings as well, because there's no feeling as permanent, right? Like just because you feel or experiencing anger does not make you an angry person. Just because you are having a feeling or emotion of sadness does not make you depressed. And, and I think that's where there's, there's still education. And that's why I'm really appreciating this conversation too. It's because that space between your thought, right? Like I had a really good friend who actually shared this, like, you know, there's the person 
experiencing the emotion and the thought. And then there's the one observing the emotion and the thought. Who's doing what? And you can make that choice in every moment. Like the more you practice being mindful, the more you practice being the observer, I think the more naturally curiosity can actually enter. And it's, I don't know, this is something that's very near and dear to my heart right now around just emotional awareness and emotional health, because I actually really, truly believe that at the core of every negative symptom or undesirable symptom of society, an unresolved emotional sort of unconscious belief charge behavior that's driving a set of symptoms that might be labeled as depression, as anxiety, that might lead to things like arguments and divorce rates and abuse. It might lead to a lack of fulfillment and purpose, but at the core of it, there's this lack of awareness around feeling and a lack of willingness and permission to feel. I totally agree with you. And and I think the other thing that's also playing out is this, the patterns, you know, the autopilot patterns. Our brain is designed to keep us safe. That's its number one job is to, to is that survival thing. And oftentimes we will find that these patterns of behavior, thoughts, actions, emotions are playing out. And going back to what I said, you know, by the time you're 35, 95% of those are on a subconscious autopilot. But one of the things that I've been exploring definitely for the last four years is that up to 50% of the memories that we have, that the stories that we have created around experiences throughout the whole of our life, in actual fact, might not be true. Mm. And the reason that I say that is that oftentimes we create a pattern or a thought or behavior around our understanding of the world at a certain point in time. So just to give you an example, if you're three or four and you have an experience When we have an experience, we take it in through our senses and then we have to make meaning of it, especially if there's a big emotional charge, whether that's positive or negative. We have to make a sense of meaning for it for our brain. And so we have this experience, we bring in these senses and then we create a story around it. And depending on what what age we are depends on what kind of story we put around it. So I'll give you an example you know, a little boy goes out fishing with his mum and dad. And he sat there with his, you know, his life jacket on and he's got his rod and he's really excited because it's the first day of fishing. And all of a sudden, he gets a tug. Now, if they're a good parent, they're going to come around behind their child so he doesn't get pulled into the lake and they're going to hold on to that rod. And together, they're going to bring that fish in. And when he gets the fish, he puts it in his hands. And because he's got baby hands, it seems like a really big fish. Now, the story he's going to create around that is he was a mighty fisherman. The fish was that big. It took two of them to pull it in. Hmm. That's his lens of the world. That's the story that he can tell at a young age. And he continues to tell that story as he gets older. And each time the fish get bigger and his hands get bigger and he's reinforcing this belief that he's a mighty fisherman until one day he sees the picture of himself when he was two or three holding that little fish. A fish that as a teenage he would have thrown out into the lake because it wouldn't have been worth it. But because he created this empowering story around this instant, he's carried that through and he's looked for evidence for it throughout the whole of his life. But what happens if the story that he told about that was a different story? You know, what happens if the parents went, oh, it's such a small, small fish. I cannot believe that you caught such a, it's not even worth us keeping. And that desire to hold the fish that he just caught was there. But, you know, his parents discarded it and they threw it away. I can only catch small fish. The things that I've caught aren't even worth holding on to. And he creates that story at three or four. And he continually looks for evidence because that's what his brain's been taught to do. And by the time he's 17 or 18, nothing he does is good enough. 
I'm always that little boy that had to throw the fish back because it wasn't worth anything. Uh, that's what makes me sad and size how, you know, like the truth has a ring to it. So when you, when you hear something that like just you can feel just how many people in the world are probably running with stories that were created from a lens that didn't have the full picture that didn't have the full picture around their parents' upbringing, right? And what may have caused them to have the pain and the sorrow and the sadness or the tonality that they may have talked to them as a child with, or there's a, you're right, there's a lack of awareness. And I think this is something that I've really had to practice is, you know, when I meet people that that maybe don't have the best intentions. And I, when I meet people that maybe are hurting or, or screaming for love, there's, and that's, I guess, in this time and age, especially right now with so much divisiveness, right? Like my viewpoint, your viewpoint, vaxxed, unvaxxed. I mean, you name it, there's a, an us versus a, a me versus you kind of attitude. And I think when I hear perspectives like yours, it just reminds me that we're all actually just little children inside of grown bodies running on stories that we didn't consciously actually, we didn't choose. Because even if you think about brain development, I mean, at the age of like four, like our conscious minds even at play. I mean, I, I think even at that point, like subconsciously, we're, I think we're still, we're still governing a lot of our stuff from just feeling an instinct. And so like, those imprints that happen at those ages, like we're all running around with them. And at the core of it, we're all desiring safety and love and connection and our perceived sense of lack and what we believe we need to do or how we need to behave or what beliefs we have to choose or what side we have to be on or what party we need to support. I mean, you name it, all coming back to that. It's all, it's all stemming back to this childhood experience that we all share. And we're not taught that we get a choice to edit our life. And there's a great quote from Nathan W. Morris, and he says, edit your life ruthlessly and frequently. Mm. It's your masterpiece after all. So we have an active choice. You know, if there are things playing out in your life, it's down to us to go, okay, why is this playing out? What is the story that I've created? And, and, and oftentimes when you start to unravel the stories, and this is the bit of my work that I love the most, when you start to unravel those stories and you suddenly see in somebody's eye when they go, oh my goodness, I put one and one together and I've come up with 156 and it doesn't make sense at all, but this has been playing out in my life. This is the reason that I haven't been able to find the love of my life. This is the reason that... I self-sabotage just at that moment of success. You know, there's so many different things playing out. And it's not just our experiences. We also have heritage patterns that get passed down. And, and epigenetics have shown that up to 14 generations worth of stuff, like experiences, fears, belief, you know, are passed down through the generations. We get an opportunity to edit that. Mm, and it starts with awareness. It starts with an awareness. It starts, and I think the ultimate awareness is that you have the choice. You are not your emotion. You are not this thought. You are not this belief. You are something so much bigger, so much more connected, so much more important. And it takes courage to have that awareness. What do you think inspires courage? I think it really depends on the situation because oftentimes courage comes in without any thought. You know, courage can often come in with no thought. You know, my, my husband in the past was a, in the fire brigade, you know. The courage isn't thinking, oh, I'm going to go into a burning building. The courage is to act. So I think often the feeling of courage can be an unconscious mm. aspect to shine a light on your past to ask questions, to decide and choose to tell a different story, that takes courage. And that is conscious courageousness. Yeah. And, and that in itself, we all have that within us. You know, we all have these inherent 
aspects of who we are. We're meant to be curious. We're meant to be compassionate. We're meant to be courageous. We've just forgotten our own power. Conscious courage. That's one of my favorite things to celebrate. In fact, that's what inspires me most about people who are choosing to change their lives. Whether it's, uh, I want to choose to be an entrepreneur, or I want to choose to work on my relationship, or I want to choose to work on my health. Like The choice to decide a different reality and to draw a line in the sand and to go into yourself and to face those shadows and to feel those prickly emotions that we've been avoiding or... I mean, the the depth of courage, and this is why it comes back to, and I've been really having deeper conversations around what it means to be a man, right? Like, and, and, and really examining masculinity as a concept, because if you define courage, courage is a, is, is a quote unquote masculine thing, right? To have the courage to go into the thing and do the thing, man up, da, 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 right? Like, I mean, the courage to go inward, the courage to feel, the courage to be seen, as as uh, to, the courage to let your ego dissolve, the courage to 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 admit something about yourself that you have been running from your entire life. I mean, that is a level of courage that makes anything that traditional masculinity defines as courage. It literally throws it to the water, like it puts it to shame because it that depth and that 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 depth of feeling. And the surrender to the feminine, really, the surrender to the feminine within all of us, like that is the the most difficult journey of a lifetime. It's surrendering the love and in the face of fear. That's the bravest thing one can do. And I think, especially in the entrepreneur world and self-development world, you hear so many people just saying, just be yourself. Most people don't know who that is. Yeah. And the courage to explore who we are how we want to live and step out of the narrative that we've been taught, that takes a courage. I mean, you have to be so courageous to put your head above the parapet and say, this, the, the norm, that this isn't for me. I don't know what is for me yet, but this isn't. And I think, especially for anyone that's listening that's an entrepreneur, you know, we get it from both sides when you decide to step out on the mold. You know, you get the ones that just go, oh, why are you doing this? Why are you leaving a good job? Why are, you, are you nuts? You know, you have the ones that go, oh my gosh, you shouldn't do that. As the fear rises in them, as they think, oh my God, well, if they do it, then I'm going to have to do it. You, then you have the champions who go, I don't really understand what it is that you're doing, but it seems to be making you really happy. So just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we have those that speak verbally. There's the, those that go in silence as soon as you mention anything that you're going to do entrepreneurial. It takes courage, like massive courage in any way, shape or form to put your head above the parapet and say, this is great. And if this is where you choose to be, I'm 100% behind you. But I just feel this inner calling that there's something more out there for me. And I'm going to follow it. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, we're all swimming underwater and then all of a sudden you put your head up and you're like, <gasps> like breathing, breathing, breathing. But then all of a sudden I see you, Kizi. You're like, oh, Kizi's right there. And then, oh, this person's right there. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to go back and get some water. And then you go back in and then you're kind of like hiding for a little bit. And then you come back up when you're ready and you remember that there's people that will always see you. And there's people that, cause we're souls at the end of the day, we are souls inside of the human experience. And whether someone actively supports you or not, they can feel you. And one of the biggest shifts that happened for me when I first got into entrepreneurship, I used to be a, a petroleum engineer, worked in corporate America. And, you know, I remember when I first started going down the road to entrepreneurship, like it was, it felt very isolated. I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have, a, I didn't have an entrepreneurial family. So they didn't understand what I was doing. I was in a workspace where, you know, everyone was working until retirement. And so that was there. Right. And then, but when I started seeking, I, one, found tribes. I found people that were also seeking. But then two, the more I started living into that, the more I started inspiring people in my circle to start living into what their truth was, whether that was entrepreneurship, whether that was being more bold, whether that was feeling more, whether that was learning to step back and smell the roses. And I think that's really important to remember when you make the decision to 
engage in courage, when you choose love over fear, when you are facing fear with love, the ripple impact of that, you will not know. You cannot calculate. You cannot calculate the ripple impact of choosing love, but it's felt. And even in the people that may not support you, it's waking up something in them. It's triggering something in them about you. That is their soul's journey. And what a gift. And I, and I want to encourage that because I think there's a lot of people that start down this journey of healing, start down the journey of doing the work, but they stop. They stop. It's and scary. It's, it's scary. It's scary. And like you just said, for many people, it's the feeling of loneliness. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. Why don't people get me? And, and most of the time it's because we're not living our truth. We're not living the full expression of who we are. And I, I do truly believe that that stepping into, no, it's not a case of stepping into that uncovering of who we are, because it's always been there, you know, God, universe, good Allah, whatever you wish to call it, it hit it in the place that we would least look, which is... <laughs> So it's always been there. We're just setting the layers to be able to find Slam it. Slam that door shut through the key away somewhere in the body. And yeah. Yeah, it's there. You're not going to look there. You're going to look all the way over here. You're going to scale the mountains, go to the valleys, whatever, but you're not going to look inside. So who we truly are, the essence of humanity is within each and every one of us. We just need to look within and allow it to shine out. We need to allow ourselves to be the lighthouses for other people to find us. If we hide our light for fear of ridicule, for fear of judgment, for fear of worry, how do people find us? They break on the shore, you know, on the rocks. They don't see us. Mm. So the more we can shine our lights, the more we can fully embrace the essence of who we are not only do we give permission for other people to do the same, we show them where we are so they can come and find us so that together we can raise the vibration of the earth. Together we can explore what it means to be us. Just love. This is what I mean. I, I, I had a feeling I would really like you and I really, really, really like you. Like I really, 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 really appreciate your heart. And because that reminder of the truth, right? The truth of who we are that that essence that it's not a name it's not an idea it's a feeling it's the way you make people feel i like to use the word remember because it's a remembrance it's not like you're actually discovering who you are you're just remembering who you are and you're remembering the truth and the journey back to truth you know in the late ram das we're all just walking each other home and at the core of it we're walking ourselves home and sometimes that path does feel lonely and never alone. you're never really alone. That's, that's at the core of it, you, it. In those moments where it feels lonely, you never truly. In fact, actually, I have a painting sitting in my room here. It was the first commissioned art piece I ever did. And I worked with an artist and the premise of the painting. And I'm going to tell the story because this was something that was very true to me. And for anyone that might be feeling lonely, a little boy is walking into a forest. He's got a crown on his head and a flashlight in his hand. And it's really dark forest. And he's walking down the forest, trying to find his way. He walks every few steps. The crown falls off. He's looking for his crown. He picks it up, puts it back on. He keeps going. And then every few steps, the crown falls off. And he is mad. The little boy is angry, pissed off. Why won't this crown just stay on? What the little boy didn't know was that if he just turned around, he would have the light of a thousand ancestors, spirit guides, gods, beings that are not physically here with us, actually there with enough light to shine up the entire forest. If he truly wants the crown to stay on, he's going to have to throw away the flashlight, pick up a sword, and just trust that the light in his own heart and the light around him will always be there to catch him. And that the universe will never actually give you something outside of your ability to show up. And in those moments when you're lonely, to me, it's remembering that we have that light and that light will always be there for us. Okay. 
I have to know what the energy was. It the energy codes? Is that what they are? Yeah. I actually have to know what those are. So please explain those to me because I adore you. Like, like, like <laughs> right I, back at you. Like, I, I, I really appreciate one. Just I didn't know where this conversation was going to go. I, I, I had no idea. To be, I told you this fully. Yeah. I was like, we got on the call. I was like, where should where shall this go? And I just trusted. I trusted you. And I trusted your heart and I'm just so grateful, but I am curious, what is the energy code? Is that, was that what the, the, the program is? Could you please describe it? So for me, when, when I was burnt out and overwhelmed, I realized that when we're, especially as entrepreneurs, when things don't go to plan, we push harder, we do more, you know, it's just like, I will figure it out with this. And most of the problem that we have is we're disconnected to this. And this is important. And for me, um, the main premise for the energy code came when my husband came home to find me on the floor, unable to breathe. He rushed me to hospital. I had pneumonia. And when the diagnosis of pneumonia came and they hooked me up to the drip and I'm sat there in hospital, I was just like, now I have an excuse to stop. Now I have an excuse that's big enough for people to accept that I'm not stopping because I'm weak, but actually because I've been strong for so long, I'm exhausted. And the energy code is really how we can tap back into listening to our body as a guidance system that actually tells us that we need to slow down and stop. And I do it around an energy bucket. So just a normal stainless steel bucket. And when you're in the nurture energy space, you're in survival mode and God, Buddha, universe, whatever you wish to call it, is going to force you to stop. And that's the first principle is, you know, is is stopping so that we can come out of this, come back into this and reconnect to source. And so naturally we go through these natural peaks and troughs, but the, the energy bucket is anything in that bucket is yours. That's your energy. You cannot give from that bucket. That's all about your self-compassion. That's all about topping up your your bucket first before you go and, and help other people. What comes out of that is the overflow which we can contribute to humanity from. And most of us have been self-sacrificing from that bucket and wondering why we're burnt out, overwhelmed, exhausted, rushed into hospital with pneumonia and various others. So we have natural peaks and troughs that we go through that are governed by the lunar cycle. For women, they're governed by the menstruation cycle. And when you understand that there are certain times of the day, certain times of the month, certain times of the year, where you can push in the doing, and then certain times where you need to pull back into the being to top up that energy bucket to be able to go back into the doing, then you start to do this beautiful dance of the masculine and the feminine, the being and the doing. So your life starts to balance in beautiful harmony rather than this, this stressed, pushed, mm. constrictive state, energetic state that so many of us are in. Yeah. I just appreciate the awareness you're in the conversation that you're really inspiring. This idea of the masculine versus the feminine, it's and and really bringing in the importance of the being. Like I, I, I really appreciate that. And um, uh, and is this a program? So this is one of your courses, or is this a, your one-on-one consulting? This is a program that I run twice a year. And the reason that I run it, you'll laugh at me, but the reason that I run it twice a year is. I need to be reminded each and every year that this is something that we embody. And we talked about the awareness. This is about flexing that muscle of awareness. And that is the only way that we overcome that 95% subconscious programming is to practice with it. And the more we practice and the more we're aware, you know, there's four different energy spaces. I know what energy space I'm in. And I now know know what I need to do to be able to support myself in that energetic space. And whether it's masculine, whether it's feminine, whether it's a combination of the two. And so we end up harnessing our own unique energy code and each and every person's is different. 
So I teach what I need to learn, what I need to remember myself each and every mm. year. So I run it twice a year because it's, it's important. Your message is your medicine. It certainly is. I love that. Well, we'll make sure that we have all of your links available in the, in the show notes. Um, Cause I have one last question for you in the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you're going and everywhere you've been, how do you stay grounded? The best place for me to stay grounded is that morning walk with my dog. It's that it doesn't matter what the weather is. As I go to walk and as I walk down the driveway and I can hear the birds and I can feel whatever the weather on my skin, whether that's the sunshine, whether that's the wind, whether that's the rain. And I just absorb everything through my senses this feeling of complete and utter joy washes over me. And that for me is what keeps me grounded. And I think nature is just one of the best ways to stay grounded. You know, all of the magic of of life and the world that we live in is just encapsulated right outside our door. You're lovely. Well, again, I so, I'm so grateful that we got to have this time together and um, everybody that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded I'm your host Raj this is your new friend Kezia and from us Stay Grounded we'll chat soon thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life for more resources and support please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay Grounded.